Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. How are you doing today, babe? I am wonderful. We just celebrated MLK Day yesterday, and we were able to just sit and reflect on his life and legacy. In honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we wanted to share a quote. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep moving. You know, that message really stands out to me, and it makes me think about the journey of getting control of your finances. Although we may all be on different spectrums of our financial journey, some days you may be flying, some days you are running, and some days you are walking, and there will be days when all you can do is crawl. But the goal isn't about achieving perfection, it's about making progress over time to keep moving forward by any means, even when you have setbacks, even on the days when you feel like giving up. Just take small, consistent steps to achieve the big goals you have. Love that, babe. It's so important that we take the small steps to accomplish our goals. Progress is progress. Baby steps count too. So always keep your eyes on the prize and keep moving forward. Speaking of journey, we have an amazing guest for everyone listening right now. Today, we have the founder of Journey to Launch, Jamila Safrant. Jamila is the host of the Journey to Launch podcast, where she shares her journey to reach financial independence and also helps others do the same. Jamila is considered a go-to financial thought leader in the personal finance space and has been featured in major media outlets. We are honored to have Jamila join us. You will get a lot out of this episode. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. Okay, so Jamila, I am so excited to have you on our podcast. It really is an honor and a privilege to have you on our platform. I've been a follower of you for a long while since you launched Journey to Launch. And so, you know, I'm just super excited to have you here. And also, I want to just add this in, fellow Jamaican. Yay. <laughs> but, 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 born and raised. You know, See, I'm, I'm, I'm partially Jamaican. He's, he's so, partially you know, Jamaican, I'm, too. So I'm we have to, too. you know, and, that uh, counts. That counts. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I just remember, like, on a podcast, you had this, like, you had a long commute. And I used to be like, oh, man, I have a yes, long commute, too. Yes. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're we doing this together. Yes. So. We used to listen to you on our commute. So uh, but, uh, before we get into that, for our listeners who do not know who you are, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are? Sure. So I'm Jamila Soufrant of Journey to Launch. I have the Journey to Launch podcast and platform where I talk all about pursuing financial independence from a personal standpoint and then helping others do the same. And so my main thing is the podcast, but I'm really happy to be talking to you guys because we met, we talked a little bit before we started recording. We met at FinCon in person recently. And so it's always nice to like kind of put the faces and personality behind like the Instagram account or name online, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So Journey to Launch, can you tell us a little bit more about what Journey to Launch is, why you created it? Yeah, you know, ultimately, like when I first started Journey to Launch, it was really just to chronicle my own personal journey to financial independence. I had really no desire in the beginning stages for it to be what it is today. It was literally like I'm listening to all these podcasts on my long commute. I'm reading these blogs about these people saving and investing and reaching financial independence. What would it be if I like started my own blog and shared that with other people? So that's what it initially started out as. 
And as you guys probably know by now, like kind of like once you start the process, it's like hard to look back. So I started as a blog in 2016. Then I created the podcast in 2017, same name, Journey to Launch. And it kind of just morphed into this thing now where this is what I do full time. It has now created a area of freedom in my life that before this, before having this, you know, I I thought that I had to have all the money in the world to have financial independence or freedom, time freedom. And it has evolved now that, you know, I'm doing something that I love and creating content, creating impact in the world and making money doing it while still on my path to financial independence. So I just want to, like, I like to encourage people, like, just even if they're just looking at my story and or just learning from the people I have in my podcast, like this is a level of freedom is possible for you. So that's what Journey to Launch is all about. Like, how do you launch to financial freedom? How do you enjoy the journey? Right. So like, I'm not super frugal. I have, a, I have, you know, Jamaican immigrant born in Jamaica, raised in Brooklyn. So like this unique perspective that I have, how can I get more people more interested in what we're doing who look like us and don't necessarily feel connected with the other outlets. You know, I, I really love that. And I love what you do, right? Because I, I think, you know, the whole concept of financial freedom, I think is still kind of new, right? But especially new to, I think, people who look like us. And so I think when you came out chronicling your journey, it was super important to have that representation because there weren't a lot of people talking about financial independence, retiring early in the Black community. And like you were one of the first people to really share your story. And so I guess I'm curious, you know, how did you even get down this path of learning about financial freedom, time freedom being open to you in in your life? Yeah, well, I I like to say that I always had uh, the desire to be free, like even as a child, like I was always like a free spirit. And even when I started to work full time at 22, so I got an internship in college, got my full time job right out of college. And I would say to myself, like, I'm not going to work for anyone past 30 years old. Like I would look at everyone in the meetings and they looked miserable. And I'm like, that's not going to be me. I'm going to figure out a way to be free. So I always had that kind of drive and just kind of free spirit. But I started working, didn't really understand, like, how do I become free? Like, I need this job to pay these bills. And, you know, I I like nice things. I want to go places. So I need to work. So at first I thought I needed to create a company or win the lottery to like become a millionaire. Like if I needed money, how was I going to do that? I didn't know that I could create like freedom through a regular job. And so I tried all these things in my 20s. I, I, I had an online magazine in college. So I thought that was going to be my big thing. I was like, okay, this magazine is going to take off. It was my, my best friend and I, we started it. And then we kind of lost steam and interest in it after a couple of years. Then I remember I got my real estate license. I said, okay, maybe I'll sell real estate. Like that's going to be my thing. And I tried to like rent out an apartment. It did not like the process or the people. I'm like, you guys are not making up your mind quick enough. I'm over it. Then I even like tried vending machines. So like I bought vending machines. I was like, this is it. Like this passive income and I can invest in this and slowly like build a vending machine empire. Tried that for a couple of years. And then that didn't really like feel like it was right. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just do what everyone else does. I'll just work because Jamila, what's wrong with working? You have a great job. And, you know, I was working in an area that I did enjoy corporate, like real estate asset management. So if I were to work anywhere, that would have been like the kind of job I would have had. So I kind of said, this is it. Like, just enjoy your life. Why do you have to like want more, you know? And then it wasn't until I was like in my thirties. So I, I was working all this time in my twenties. Now I'm starting a family. So I'm pregnant with my first son. And I had a like long commute. I always had a long commute, but it didn't matter when I was childless or just like not married. It was just like, all right, I get home at seven. I get home at seven. But with this commute this day, it took me a super long time to get home. And I was pregnant, heavily pregnant. 
And so that kind of like me pushing down my dreams and saying, well, I guess I'll just work forever. And then being pregnant and like having the horrible commute that I had that day, I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure something out. So I kind of just started Googling how to quit my job. How do I retire early? I'm sure you guys put that in too, right? <laughs> I, I came across blogs and podcasts talking about this thing called financial independence, retire early, the fire movement. And I'm like, what is this thing? What is this like black magic that these people are talking about that are allowing people to quit their jobs, maybe in not two years, but in 10 years and 15 years and live the lives that they want. And so I got obsessed. And started to read the blogs, listen to the podcasts on my commute. And that's kind of what prompted me to apply what I was learning to my personal life, which after a couple of years, I said, well, I'm learning so much. Let me share what I'm learning with others and which started Journey to Launch. Wow. No, I think that's that's a that's a great journey that you had yeah. to Journey to Launch. No, I, I love that. Right. It sounds like just from what you said, right, you're not afraid to try things. Right. You know, like you tried so many different things throughout your I don't know, young adulthood and seeing what would stick. And I I, I love that it led you to the path that you're now on. And I think that's important, right? Because sometimes people are afraid to pull the trigger to just try something and see what happens. But it sounds like you're kind of fearless. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I definitely have the fear. I definitely get nervous. I definitely doubt myself. Even when it came to quitting like my job for this, like I was like, well, you you thought things were the thing before and you got tired of it. Like, what if you do that with this and you get tired of it? And but I've realized that, you know, I can't predict the future. I can only take the next best step. And I think for most people, that's what it is. You know, I didn't know this is where I'd be. Ultimately, I just took the next best step, even if it came off as a failure or it didn't work out. I took the lessons from that and I applied it to my next move. And I think most people can do that. And sometimes we overthink too much and we think that the next step is the final step and that's not the case. And so even with this, like I'm open to what comes from journey to launch. Like, I don't know, I want to be doing this in five years, but I don't know, maybe it'll evolve into something different. And so I think that flexibility with the journey, which is why, you know, I couldn't, I, like when I look back, yes, I thought the journey to launch like a name like it was for a reason. But as the more and more I go down this path, I'm realizing for most people, it is the journey itself. It's not the destination. And you find out so much more about yourself as you continue or as you start. So that's why you just need to start. Because then at least if you fail or if it doesn't work, you'll just know faster that that's not something you should do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You talk about lessons and all of these different ventures that you went from real estate to the vending machines. What were some of the lessons that you learned Yeah. uh, So for me, a lot of it was you can change your mind about something. So like I would I would start something, get really excited about it. And then just like, oh, this doesn't feel good. You know, even with the magazine, you know, it was going to be an online multicultural magazine. I don't know if you guys remember Honey back in in the day, like there was. Right. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be the next Honey, the next young black woman or multicultural magazine. And we were excited in the beginning. And then like I started working full time. It became more of a chore. And so I realized like, you know, like it's okay to walk away from things that don't feel good, you know, as long as you give it your best effort. And so I learned that it's okay to quit. Like it is okay to quit. It is okay to stop doing things that are not fulfilling and uh, something that you enjoy doing as long as you give it your best effort. So that's what I learned from that. Even with the vending machines, I don't think I've done a podcast episode about this and I need to because I learned so many lessons about that. Like I overpaid for them vending machines, but we did place one or two in a couple of good locations, but it still wasn't the right thing for me. Like I was like, I don't want to be in this business. And so again, learning that I can invest a lot of money in something, it can fail and I will be okay. So I just think like this process of trying different things and realizing I'm still alive, not dead, you know, like (laughs) 
I can keep going has been great. Cause even if I'm thinking that something may not work out in the future, I'm like, well, you're not dead. You won't die. So therefore you might as well give it a try. Yeah. It's so true. And in, in your episodes on the podcast, you talk about failing forward. And, you know, I think that's shows your journey. Like, Hey, it didn't work out, but you learned from it and you took those lifelong lessons and applied it to your next venture. So that's awesome. Yeah. A part of what I've read about you is that in your early twenties, you also ventured into real estate. So not only were, you know, were a realtor, but you actually invested in real estate at a very young age. Can you tell us a little bit about how you even started buying property in your early twenties? Yeah. You know, even that was not a failure, but at the time, right. I was um, in my, about to go into my senior year of college and I had realized really quickly growing up, my family and I eventually moved downtown Brooklyn. And so my, my grandmother bought a three family house and I was, I think I was going into junior high at that time. So I was really young, but I was aware now that we finally owned something. My grandmother owned something. And so I grew up kind of like in kind of this environment where I saw kind of like the people who owned the houses on the street. And even at that point, like when she bought it, I remember people kind of saying, you know, that's not a great area. Like the houses, they weren't brownstones, like the way, if you know, Brooklyn, like New York, the brownstones are like solid brownstones. Like people were like, oh, these houses, like they're kind of like cheaply made. Like people are still like, that's not really you know, something you should have did. Like, that's what they were telling my grandmother. But still, she she just wanted the American dream. So I say all this to say that I had like these inklings of, wow, this is what owning something could be because she had so much pride in owning it. And then it allowed myself, my family, my mom, and, you know, me at the time to live on the second floor. So it also provided stability for us, like as part of her family. And so as I started to grow up and get more aware of things, I thought, you know, I want to I wanna buy something. If my grandmother could do it, like, why can't I? And so that's kind of what got me interested in real estate and meeting kind of like these unassuming people in the neighborhood that would talk and say they owned a few brownstones. And I was like, so impressed. I'm like, you don't even, you know, like they look so simple, but they were like, yeah, you know, these brownstones and it's going to be my grandchildren's brownstones one day. And with that, I said, okay, I'm going to buy something. And so when I was in college and I was going to graduate, I said, I'm going to buy a brownstone. That was my goal. Like I want a multifamily brownstone that can rent out a couple of the units and I can live in one. And when I was buying or looking the prices for someone like my age at the time, they were so expensive. And it was literally the same time as like the real estate bubble where like everything was crazy. And so back then I couldn't afford anything. And what I remember doing is saying, all right, let me look in Jersey. I was like, maybe Jersey's the place because I can just buy a single family home. At least I'll own something. So I remember looking in Jersey for places. Nothing really caught my attention. And then I remember seeing an advertisement for this newly developed. It wasn't even developed yet. New construction condominium in Dumbo, Brooklyn. So down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. And I remember not knowing what that was. We didn't, I didn't like the house that we, I grew up in or lived in that my grandmother owned was maybe like 10 minutes from there, but I was not familiar with the area. And I remember just seeing the price range, like the price, the cheapest apartment was like 300 and in the 300,000 range, which was a studio to, you know, upwards of hundreds of thousands, maybe millions for like the penthouse. And to me, seeing something in the 300,000s in the area that I was kind of familiar with that wasn't too far from my current home I was like, wait. That's better than the $800,000 multifamilies that I can't afford. So I went to the sales office with my mom and literally it was like the lowest price apartment. It was a studio apartment. And it was like this compared to all the other things I'm looking at seems affordable, even though it was still expensive at the time. And you needed 10% down 
to put down to secure the the, uh, apartment. And then when it was completed and being built, which would take two years, you need another 10% in closing costs. And so I literally was just like, you know what? I'm going to take a risk on this. This is like, to me, the next best step. And I say like at the moment, it maybe felt like a not a failure, but I really wanted a multifamily house, but I couldn't afford that. And so I saw this as the next best option. And the beauty about that story, I think, is that my mom helped me with the first 10%, which I think is incredible. And I'm proud of because she literally came to this country with nothing and she didn't own anything at that time. And I know another, a lot of parents would have been like, I don't own my own thing. Why am I going to help you kind of thing? And she was never like that. And so for a single mom to come here, at 20 years old and then to be able to like help her daughter get a little piece of the pie like in New York at that time like it's just amazing so she helped me with the first 10% but i needed a lot more money than that and so like the, it took 2 years for it to be completed i waited i was working now full time all my checks or most of my checks went to saving up for the remaining closing costs and down 10% down payment i lived with my mom until that happened and then luckily all the stars aligned when it was time to close I was able to get a mortgage, which technically I wasn't supposed to be able to. I got a, like a no loan doc mortgage. So like all the things where most people maybe lost property back then when there was like the collapse of the real estate market, forgot the exact year. But like, you know, when everyone was kind of doing those no loan getting like doc houses they couldn't afford, that was like me. Cause like literally my paycheck covered the mortgage and maybe a couple hundred extra dollars. So I say all that to say that like when I first started that, like, process. It wasn't what I wanted, but it was the next best step. Fast forward. I still own it today. So I rent it out and it's been the most influential, lucrative investment that I ever made. Riskiest also, but it's something that now I feel like it's part of my legacy and my family. Like I can pass that down to my kids or they can live there one day. So I'm really, I'm proud of that, that whole experience. Yeah. No, I think like getting in, in that area, like the Brooklyn area, oh my God, like that was just an opportunity, right? <laughs> you know, just, just to get a piece of real estate in that because it's crazy expensive, right? Today, <laughs> you know, one thing that stood out to me as you were speaking was the word exposure came to mind, right? And the power of exposure, because you mentioned your grandmother and you saw her real estate ventures, right? You saw her do what she had to do to kind of get a piece of the pie, as you said, right? Even when there were naysayers, even when there were doubters. And so, you know, I think just having that exposure is so important, you know, and like, as people are listening and, you know, especially with children, like you don't know what children are experiencing or capturing through your own journey. And the more that you can expose them to is important because like you, you can have a very lucrative, investment in Dumbo, Brooklyn, right? And that never would have been possible if you did not have that exposure early on. And so, you know, I kind of want to just dive in a little bit more about your mom. You mentioned her quite a bit. And, you know, I've listened to the podcast episode with your mom. I've read articles and you reference her quite a bit. What's the foundation that she gave you to kind of help guide your financial, your financial life today? So my mom, like she literally, I just feel like, gosh, like I can only hope to be as like a fraction of a good mom as she was. And she wasn't perfect. It's just that when I look back, knowing now that as a mom of three and I have help, more help than she she did. I was more stable when I started having kids, like like how she did and knew to do so much for me when she I, actually she was not encouraged or had the kind of wings she gave me like she was not encouraged to be free she she was not really supported honestly growing up herself 
So the fact that she was able to not repeat that with me and that cycle and to like give her all um, is something amazing. That's why I always like give her her credit and her flowers and like will say like she's the reason I am who I am today. And so for her, like I just look at the sacrifices she's made. Like part of me just feels like I can't do less than what I'm doing. And it doesn't come, I don't think from a toxic place. Like I, you know, I have to prove myself to her or anyone. It just feels like, look at what she was able to do. And she still, to me, like put herself in such a great position. You know, the one thing when parents ask me, what's the best thing I can do for like my kids? Like I want to invest for them. And I'm like, honestly, the best thing you could do is to make sure you're financially secure so that your kids don't have to worry about you. And I feel like my mom, like I don't have to worry about my mom. She has like built herself up to a point where she's she's okay, And so for me, it's just like that kind of encouragement that she gave me, which I think is more valuable, honestly, than the money that she's helped me do when she had money to do that is like she instilled confidence in me. Like she instilled like there's always a safe place to land and fail. So if all else fails, journey to launch fails, like something fails, I know I always have like a safe place to land. And that to me is very important. And what a lot of people uh, need to create if they don't have it, unfortunately, like maybe they don't have supportive parents or household is that ability to create it within themselves. Like failure is okay. And you'll always be supported and, or to create those bonds because relationships matter. And when you know that you have people in your corner, no matter what, I think it makes you feel invincible. And that's kind of, for me, what's helped me a lot through my life journey where I am today. No, I love that. Yeah, I love that. I love that she gave you confidence. I love, you know, it's always about generational knowledge or generational wealth, right? And that knowledge and that confidence will be with you throughout your life, right? In the episode, when you interviewed your mom, she talked about the importance of saving, but never really about how to manage the money. Can you elaborate on what you meant by that? Yeah, so my mom, so the one thing my mom and grandmother always did instill in me, I feel like I remember growing up is that, you save money. And I think, you know, I honestly think that immigrants, especially, and then even just people without means, like you have to be able to manage your money because otherwise you won't have any, but so you're able to like work with, you know, a little bit and stretch it out. And so it was like, even if you have a penny or a dollar, you save 10 cents kind of environment I grew up in. And I remember my mom taking me to open up my first savings account at the bank at about like six years old. Like I remember that moment, but you know, it's not like she, we grew up and it was like, Oh, here's what you do with that money. Or here's how you invest. It was literally just make sure you're saving something. So oftentimes when I started working at 14, like I got my first job, like a two Jamaican at 14 years old, like <laughs> through summer youth. And like, I kind of just was working ever since. And I always remember just saving a little bit of money. Like I would buy things, but not that much. So when it came to now college, same thing. Like I had my internship, it paid me well. I didn't know what I was saving for, but I was just saving. And ultimately that helped me when I had to also, you know, buy the condo. But yeah, she didn't teach me. She didn't know like about management. It was literally like save as much as you can. You always pay your bills or what you need or what you said you were going to pay. But investing and growing wealth was not a part of that conversation. It was something that I, you know, eventually learned on my own. I think that's true for a lot of Caribbean households, right? Like I know in my family, that's been the same thing. Like save your money, make sure you're putting some away. But, you know, we're not taught about the power of investing. And so there's definitely opportunity. And I think now, now that information is so accessible, I think more of us are learning that you need to, you know, open up, you know, invest in your jobs, 401k plan. You need Mm -hmm. to open up a brokerage account. You need to open up that 529 account for your child. And so I think our parents did the best that they could, you know, with the information that they had. But I'm grateful now that more information is becoming available to people in our age demographic. Yeah. Yeah. And and just in general, like it's just 
important to share that knowledge amongst each other, right? Mm -hmm. Once we learn it, make sure we pass it on uh, to the next generation or our family and friends. So yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. So, so now, you know, we kind of want to talk about, you know, we're on family, you know, so we want to talk about, you know, bring your husband into the conversation just a little bit and talk about, you know, because I've read, you know, that you guys saved a lot of money, you know, living in a very high cost of living area, like in a very short time frame. And so, you know, I kind of want to understand, like, you know, with Rich by Intention, you know, we we love to see couples win with money. We talk about couples managing money with intention together. And so, like, how how were you and your husband able to get on the same page with your goal to financial freedom? Yeah. So I remember having this commute and I've always had the long commute. He's also always had a very short commute. So his kind of like experience was a lot different. So when I came home and discovered the fire movement and I started to like glean all this information or tips about what we should do, like max out our retirement plans. I remember saying to him like, okay, there's this thing called financial independence, retire early. And he's looking at me like, what? Cause he's a very, <laughs> he's a very simple, like just, just wants to relax life. Like he's not with all like the antics or, you know, he's just like, what are you talking about? Right. So I'm just like, no, there's a way in which I could retire early. And in his head, he can't, he doesn't comprehend that. He's like, retire. Like I want to work. I can't imagine being home, like not doing anything. So it was also like defining what that meant for us and showing him or at least walking him through and which took a while. So this was not a one conversation thing. It was multiple conversations. It was showing him spreadsheets of wait. If we save and invest, like if we actually, if we do nothing, if we just do what we're doing now, we live in a good life now, this is where it will be in 20, 30 years. If we change certain things and we save and invest and max out your, your retirement accounts, because he's a teacher. So he had access to two retirement accounts, the 457 plan and the 403B plan. And I learned from listening to podcasts that that was a powerful way to like save and invest rapidly. So it's like, if we do this, if you max out all this, I max out this, we save this in 10, 15 years, we could be in this position. And so Again, a lot of conversation, a lot of not pushing him towards it, kind of just like, hey, this is what I, I like, this is how much money we could have. Imagine our kids when they're in college, we have the ability not to work, right? Like, and we can travel more and do all these things. So it was like a balance of here's what our future could be. But then with him and with me, it was important to figure out, okay, but how can we still live our lives? Because I wasn't about to like, only eat rice and beans or just be super frugal. So it was like, okay, so can we still live a good life if we cut back or save as much as we do? And so started a budget and kind of tried to stick towards that. But it was a multiple conversations. It was me not pushing him to it. It was like kind of like showing him what he could gain from this too. And the other thing I want to say is because I feel like it's great. I love that when I meet couples and like they're all in on it together. Like they're super excited about budgeting together and about finances. And honestly, like my husband still, he's just like, he's like, you do what you need to do. I trust you. But he's not like so excited that he's like listening to financial independence podcast and like doing a budget himself. You know, so I think sometimes like the realization, like sometimes you might think, well, I want my partner to be into it as much as me. And for us, that's not that's not necessary. He as long as you have a partner who's willing to have the conversations and to you know look at the budget. And if you have a goal, like stick to it together. I think that's enough because we're not sitting down talking about like money all the time. Right. And I think for him, he doesn't he cares about his lifestyle. I care, I care about my lifestyle. And so it's more about how do we live a good life now? but then set ourselves up great for the future. So I hope that helps people too, because it doesn't have to be that you both 
are super, super involved. Although I do think it depends on maybe your financial situation. So if you're in a lot of debt and there are things you want to reach faster, it does help if you both are super focused. But if you're not and one person isn't, as long as they're willing to be open to it and do some work with you, they don't have to be as like obsessed as you are, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's great advice, right? Because I think a lot of people think like, especially in the financial independence movement, like you're, we're excited, right? Like, oh my God, like this is possible. I can quit my job by the time I'm, I don't know, 35, like I'm all in. Right. And so it's like, you know, I think not having that expectation on your spouse, but being willing to just have, like you said, those conversations. And I love what you said too, that you kind of painted the picture for him, right? Like you shared, you shared the spreadsheets, you kind of like told him what was in it for him. Right. Right. right? And I think that's important, right? So like, if you have, if there's other couples who are struggling with kind of bringing their partner along to the, towards their goal, I think painting that picture is very helpful in helping them see like what's in it for them too. I think too, what's interesting or what's, you have to realize too, who your partner is. Like for me, like we had fancy cars, like in our twenties. And then when we started to have kids, we kind of got more economical cars. I know a car is something he's really still interested in. Like he wants now, like not now, but you'll ask him, he'll say it's not a big deal, but I know like he would like a nicer car. And when I first started like in the movement or listening to people, a lot of it was based on frugality. And like, honestly, when I even started, I was thinking, how can I contract my life? And not kind of spend on the things I actually want to so that I can reach this goal. And so through my journey and even just through respecting the things that he wants, one of the things that helped was, okay, if he wants a nice car one day, how can we make that happen? Like a luxury car. If we want to do things and spend money on things, like how does that work and how does that fit into our financial planning and goal setting? And so that is important because if I was just like, well, we're going to save and invest this money because I want to quit my job. I don't really care what you want because this is a smart thing to do. He, it would, it would have been a problem. So it's more like, how do we include the things that you want and still like make it more balanced approach? So if it takes us longer to reach our ultimate financial number, that's fine because we're both getting what we want from this. And I think because I'm like that, because he's also understanding it, that helped to further the conversation and make progress. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think you said something really a good point, right? You mentioned how you kind of like, you put it into your plan, right? Like you're not trying to constrict your life. Like you're figuring out how do I get more of the things that I want, but plan for it? How do I make it a part of my financial planning? Right. And I think that's important, right? Because people will say, well, I still want to do this. I still want to do that. I want the car. I want that, but not plan for it. Right. They kind of just, well, I'm just going to get the Mercedes. I'm just going to get the BMW and we'll see what happens. But I think it's important to plan with your partner, right? Like if there's things that you want, think about what you need to do, how much income you need to get back to like, or you need to make in right. order to get the things that you want and yeah. or how long it will take you, yeah. you know, even if your income mm-hmm. doesn't increase like does it mean waiting six months to actually get what you want right and then you have a goal towards it right and then you're both on the same page and it makes it that much easier to make the decision exactly so you know it sounds like you and your husband are like on the same page which i think is awesome and so you know I want to talk about like when, when you decided to quit your job, you know, like when you were like, this is it, I'm done. I'm just, you know, like, what was that like? Like you, so you didn't just quit your job. You actually went full-time into entrepreneurship. And so, you know, what was that conversation like with your husband and was he supportive, which I already think I know the answer. (laughs) So he, all right. So when I first started journey to launch, the plan was, I was, uh, I think I was, 33. Cause I just remember the, the year 
me saying it was take me seven years to reach this level of financial independence. So I had to go at 40 years old to be able to quit my job and to be financially independent, which in our definition was a little bit different maybe than some people, but you know, he, my husband was still going to work. So it was like a combination of living off of his income, but his income doesn't cover all the kind of lifestyle we want. It doesn't cover everything. So we'd have to either dip into investments and, or maybe I'm earning money doing something right. So that is the goal that I did that I had when I started journey to launch. That was what I was like chronicling as I went. And then as I started going, I realized, wait a second, this is unsustainable because then by the time, like I, w- I was pregnant with my third and had this long commute during launch on the side life. I'm like, I can't do all these things. So I, I realized that once I got pregnant that I didn't want to continue, even if it was like only another four years of this path I set for myself, that it wasn't worth it. Like all the money in the world for my corporate job, because it was a good corporate job, was not going to be worth the uh, stress, the commute, not being able to be there, like in these formative, formative years with my kids, like it wasn't worth it. And so I remember just going to him and saying, what if we changed our strategy? What if there was a way in which I could quit my job and we could potentially still reach the end goal of being financially free? Maybe it will take longer, but I will be in a position to you know, be happier, to possibly make money still, because the whole goal was, okay, you can work on Journey to Launch full-time. Like, what would that look like? So we ran a lot of numbers or ran some scenarios with the spreadsheet that I have and I created. And it kind of showed that, you know what? We will be okay. Like, if you quit your job, and the part of this too was we were saving and investing a lot of money into our retirement accounts. Once we realized that I was going to quit my job, we stopped a lot of that and started saving it into a nephew fund or you know a cash cushion to help yep. cover the expenses that my husband's income would not cover. So we figured out how much do we need to feel safe? Like, could it be that, you know, for two years, if Journey to Launch does not make any money or I change my mind, we'll be okay. Like we can still provide like a roof over our kids' heads and eat and still live the same lifestyle. We figured out what that number is and started kind of save towards that. And so when I came to him more practical, it wasn't just like, I'm just going to quit my job. We'll figure it out. It was like, listen, here's the scenarios. Here's like where we'll be, even if I make no money and I have to get a job in two years, this is what it could be. Like it literally looked like I'll be in no worse of a position or we will be no, you know, no worse of a position because either I stick with my job and burn myself out just for the sake of trying to reach financial independence by 40 or I quit. It takes longer to reach financial independence because journey to launch does not work out, does not make any money. And then I have to get a job in a couple of years. Or what if journey to launch works out really well and I'm making more money or just as much and we can still hit our goals. And so for me, it was not worth regretting that it could not work. And so he was on board with me going after it. And he saw like, not that Johnny Thomas was making a lot of money when I did quit, honestly, but it was more, he saw the reaction from people. He saw my dedication to it. And so I think for him, he was just like, my wife is going to do what she does. Like, I can't really stop her, even though like, she's going to also make sure that we're okay as a family. And so he supported it. And, um, that's not to say it wasn't scary. Like as I did it, and as I started to like be that first year of entrepreneurship where I wasn't really making any money. It was like, wait, what did I do? (laughs) Because quite honestly, his job, it would have been better if I was the teacher and kind of like he had the corporate job because my job had was bringing in more, more percentage of like the household income and um, had more trajectory to earn more. So it's kind of like I was stepping away from kind of like the thing that kind of it was the risk. So far, so good. So far, the risk has has um, been worth it. You know, I think this goes back to the conversation we had earlier about you being fearless and just taking, you know, taking the leap when you need to. And so, you know, 
to see what journey to launch is today is like, you know, I'm like, there was no other choice, right? Like, look at you. <laughs> but I think, I think so. I think it's so important. Like I almost see, like when I first started journey to launch, if you would have said, Oh, in three, four years, you can quit your job. I wasn't thinking that far ahead. Sometimes the decisions that we make, like literally it's going to be so obvious to you. Like it was so obvious when I got pregnant, which was planned, like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, like, oops. And like, now we have to change our like whole finances. It was literally like, we want to have a third child. Now that we are pregnant, how are you going to keep up like all the things that you're doing? And then it worked out because I didn't look. So I got pregnant. Then I knew that I was going on maternity leave. And the whole plan was not to return after maternity leave. So it almost felt like God was handing me like the alley-oops for the slam dunks. Like he's like setting me up that this is like a no brainer. And I know sometimes that's not always the case for people. Like sometimes it is like, I don't know what's right or wrong, but I've just realized that for me and for most people, like sometimes it is a very clear decision. And if it's not like, if it's like, well, I don't know, and I'm not prepared, then maybe you're not ready to make it yet. But there's sometimes you make a decision, you're just like, there was no other choice. Like that, it, it's so clear to see. And yeah, so that's kind of like with the whole fearless thing. It's not that I'm not afraid that things won't work, but sometimes it's just like, literally God is like, I'm giving you this alley-oop. So like, are you going to take it or not? Like you're going to have to like- <laughs> It was time so to score. like how I feel. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. And it goes back to your mom just giving you confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Confidence to make it and be comfortable in your decisions. You were still scared, but you were confident afraid, that, right? you know, let's just do it. Let's fail forward, if anything. And you had all these ventures that you tried. It wasn't really serving your purpose. And you still decided to move forward and try something else. Yes. And that's the beauty in, in enjoying the journey as well. Yep. Right. And, and you just got to think through the worst case scenario. Like when I do think through the worst case, not that I encourage you to be <laughs> negative, but like, all right, if it does fail, when I thought about quitting my job, if this fails, if I make no money, can we survive for the next two years? Yes. Can I get another job? Most possibly. Yeah. So like I, you, know, you think through yeah. it and you're just like, you'll be okay. And so it allows you to kind of like take the risk and take the leap. Yeah. And it's like calculated risk, right? Like you said, right. you and your husband planned, you ran the numbers, you guys had conversations about it. Like it was, you saved the money, right? Like you came up with a plan that you could follow so that God forbid, if this didn't work out, you would have a cushion to fall on. And I think that's important. I think that's, you know, helpful for listeners, right? Because I know people in my life that might just take the leap with not thinking twice about it. Right. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it works out. Yeah. I think, you know, it's kind of, looking at the God signals, right. That we're given and kind of, you know, working with it and putting, and, you know, making sure that make sure that you do have those God signals. Right. Because I do think God like gives us some type of indicators to let us know that we're on the right path. And I think when you have those, you're more likely to, uh, you know, fall amongst the clouds. If, uh, if you do fall fail. And I, I think it's also important to note that just because you have like these you might have the confidence when you first do it. You might have enough money saved, but it didn't take away though the feeling sometimes of feeling failed. Yeah. Like yep. this may have been a mistake. Like even though the account was set up that we would deduct from it every month, me seeing it go down was just like, what is happening? Like I still had that fear of, yeah. is this the wrong thing? So I just think that doesn't mean I made the wrong decision. I just think it's important for people to know just because you plan and save and put the put the plan in motion does not mean like you won't have doubts while you're doing it. So that you just have to power through that and make sure you did have the right things in place to help you know the markers to help you know you were going in the right direction. Oh my God, this has been amazing. And my last question I just have as a full-time entrepreneur is just, 
and a mom of three and a wife. You know, a wife. Like, how are you balancing all? Like, what steps are you giving yourself to make sure you have time for you and just for your the children, you care your most husband? About? Oh my gosh. I feel like this could be a whole new episode <laughs> because it is a lot. It's hard. It's hard. And every day is like a getting up to fight the good fight. Um, I don't have it all figured out and it's all not balanced. So part of, you know, you probably won't hear this in the interview, but um, so we have someone who comes in, cleans the house every two weeks, Miss Teresa, and she's amazing. That's helpful, right? Like being able to help pay for things to help get my time back and energy back. I want hopefully to get someone who could help come in with the kids like in, in the afternoon because before I had more help, but not as much anymore. Right. And so part of it is delegating and investing, right. The money, I think a lot of it, we like, Oh, like we want to keep as much money as possible. And we think we're winning in that way, but then like we're burning ourselves out. So if it is possible for you to invest in a housekeeper or in a cook, and it doesn't have to be every week, but someone to help alleviate that stress so that you have more energy, like that is to me, what has allowed me to kind of do more things. The other thing as like a business owner, again, it's really investing because I used to do everything myself in the beginning because one, I was afraid to put the money out there and then Journey to Launch wasn't making money, but it's like a chicken or the egg. Like, but you need to like invest money to kind of make money with your business or at least free up your time so you can be the CEO and the great thinker that moves the business forward. So I had to invest in getting an editor for the podcast and invest in getting an assistant to help with everything. So yeah, could I do all that myself? I could, but then I'm not moving forward and doing the things that move the business forward. So you kind of have to make that decision of, okay, I'm going to take the leap and I'm going to bet on myself and what I'm doing and invest the money, whether that be in the household and get the help and let go of the shame that you should do it all. Right. And sometimes people are like, listen, I like cooking. I like cleaning. So you can do that. Right. But there may be some other things that you can outsource or have someone help you with that is going to be helpful for you. So I just feel like, you know, there is no balance. Some days like the house is a mess, you know, and or the dishes are in the sink. They're going to be there. But I really try to prioritize like what made me me before the kids and the business, which part of that is like working out. I used to work out a lot before like kids. And so I started to slowly get back into that. So and then I find that when I am doing more of those things, I come up with more creative ideas. Right. And so it kind of seems like, well, I can't really do that because then it's taking away from the business and or the kids. But realizing when you do take more time for yourself, like it is actually giving you energy to do all the creative things or to be that present parent that we all want to be. But, you know, that we're all trying to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you invest in yourself, it's so much easier to invest in others. So true. Mm hmm. Well, thank you, Jamila, for coming on our podcast. You know, this has been a great episode. You've shared just such great advice for our listeners. And so lastly, where can listeners find more about you and Journey to Launch? Yes. Well, thank you. This is an honor, pleasure to be on here. You can find Journey to Launch. You become a journeyer. Um, that's what I call anyone on this journey with me to financial freedom by checking out the podcast wherever you listen to this podcast. So literally just type in Journey to Launch and then you'll find it. You can subscribe and or follow. And then I'm on all social media at Journey to Launch. And then my website is journeytolaunch.com. Awesome. awesome. Thanks so much. Thank this has you. been great. Uh, we, we love this story. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for taking this into your life. And we really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. 